You need to believe. You can't send anything that you don't believe you can send. So the first step in sending her out is believing it's possible. Otherwise, you're just wasting your time. Hey, y'all, I'm Ryan Devlin, and welcome to The Struggle Climbing Show, where I talk with elite climbers about their struggles and breakthroughs in training, nutrition, tactics, and mental game, and also what they're psyched on beyond climbing. Now, today we're checking back in with the GOAT coach himself, Eric Hurst, as a follow-up to our spring conversation titled The Road to 13A. If you haven't heard that first installment, you can find it back in April, both here at The Struggle or over on Eric's Training for Climbing podcast as we released that episode together. And today we're checking in on how my little road trip to 13A here has been going so far. Eric dissects my spring and summer training and yells at me a little bit, deservedly so, for blowing it in at least one key area. And then I reveal the route that I've chosen for the fall and we get specific on how to best prepare for that route. Now, Eric's been coaching climbers for decades, from weekend warriors to pros who climb 515. He has authored numerous best-selling training and climbing books. He hosts the very popular and well-researched Training for Climbing podcast. He's the founder of Fizzy Vantage Nutrition, and he's climbed pretty much everything at the red up to mid-13, so there is just nobody better than him to offer insights and guidance on my personal road to 13A here at the Red River Gorge. That said... Whether you're trying to break into 511 or 514 at the Red or anywhere else, the concepts that Eric is laying out today will surely help you on your own road to whatever your goal is. We cover the transition from summer strength training to building fall endurance, how to break down a limit project into manageable sections, whether to keep or lose weight training and heavy finger training as we go into season, body composition goals, nutrition, and Eric's thoughts on whether having backup projects are a good idea or a bad idea if the main goal isn't coming together. This episode is being brought to you ad-free today, courtesy of patrons and subscribers of the show. If that's you, thank you so much. I love you. And if you're not a patron or subscriber, enjoy this bonus ad-free episode and maybe consider coming aboard if you could. Patrons get two bonus episodes a month, usually a pro clinic that's taught by an elite athlete or coach like Dr. Tyler Nelson on finger power, Drew Mack on endurance, Alex Johnson on gym to crag, ravioli biceps on moonboard, and Jordan Cannon on big wall tactics. Holy smokes how did i get all these people to come in and teach pro clinics don't ask questions just subscribe and you will hear them and become a better climber also along with the pro clinics i release a coach chat each month with tom randall yes that tom randall what a guy he comes on we dive into a topic and then he also answers questions submitted by patrons of the show if you have a question about your training about your climbing, about your tactics, you can send that in and Tom will answer it for you. And if that wasn't enough, y'all, patrons get extended and ad-free episodes, which include bonus content from the likes of Chris Sharma, Alex Honnold, and Michaela Kirsch, just to name a few. Plus, you can score some swag from the show. You get all of that for as little as five bucks a month, and I guarantee you it's going to make you a better climber and bring you more value than drinking one Starbucks coffee in that month. Plus, if you think it sucks, you can cancel anytime because there's no commitment. Basically, this thing takes a ton of work and I cover all the costs myself. So if you are in a position to chip in, that would be so rad. Okay, that's my spiel. Thank you for listening to it. And now let's make sure we got a ton of snacks and the tires are inflated to the proper PSI as we hit the road to 13A with Eric Hurst.
Eric, awesome to see you. You've been having a summer tear out there in the van. You've been all over the climbing areas. And so you've been on rock. I've been stuck here in Kentucky. It's been 95 degrees and 90% humidity, but um, how, yeah. how has it been? Quick little update on your adventures. I had a good summer. I mean, it was half business and half climbing pleasure. My wife and I traveling around in the fizzy van and uh, doing a few uh, trade events and climbers festivals and uh, research conference in Squamish and then a long drive back to the East Coast. And so now I'm back in training mode. So the next month or so, I won't touch Real Rock, whereas hopefully you will be kind of re-engaging and maybe beginning work on your project. Yeah, well, I'll give you a bit of an update here, and I appreciate you joining to, to do this kind of midway through update on the road to 13A. That sure. first conversation we did was incredibly well received. So if somebody happens to be listening right now and hasn't heard the first conversation on the road to 13A, just scroll back a handful of episodes and that'll bring you up to speed. But I got a ton of great feedback on that, not only because it was looking at me trying to climb my limit project through your expert eyes and, and how I should be planning, but it was very applicable to anybody. I heard from 510 climbers and 514 climbers, and they really got a lot out of that conversation, as did I. So maybe it'll be helpful to kind of just bring us current little update on what's happened since we spoke, which was in April. Yeah. And you kind of broke this road to 13A into three sections, the spring, the summer, and the fall. And as climbers in North America, at least a lot of us look at it in those kind of chunks. And for the spring, you describe that as a, a pyramid building phase and a project shopping phase, kind of two part. Yeah. Hey, see if you can go out there and click off some 12As, 12Bs, maybe a 12C to keep that fitness, build the pyramid, but don't spend a ton of time working on a 13A, but dabble, maybe go climb a couple 12s and then hop on a 13 and bolt to bolt it to see if it's the one. Right. And to varying levels of success, I kind of did that. I wasn't able to get out to the red as much as I had originally hoped. I was gunning for two days a week and it ended up being more like one day a week because of some family and work things that popped up as they do. And I did send a couple 12Bs, which, you know, for me, I haven't climbed that grade much. So you were with me when I sent Sex Farm, which was a 12B. I did Gung Ho over at Military Wall. And I worked far from God and I popped at the chain. So I can't consider that a send yet, although I spent quite a bit of time on it. I don't believe there were any 12As. I think I only got on 12Bs, to be honest. <laughs> I did flash an 11D over at Bear's Den. And so anyway, I got out and I climbed a lot. I climbed on AL81. I climbed on Chainsaw Massacre. I didn't send them, but I was building fitness. And when I got on those, it was pretty hot. It was pretty muggy. Those were like June. I was at the load in June. And so I trained on rock at the red. I didn't even get on a 12C. So I don't know. I don't have a three-year lens. I don't know if that would be a successful spring or not. I did project shop. I, I got on five 13As and I did send some 12s and some high 11s and moved over rock, just maybe not as often as I had originally planned. Right. Yeah, well, let me make a few comments there. I mean, first of all, I think it was a success in terms of project shopping because I did want you to get on four or five different 13As so you could see what was out there and find what would be the best fit for you. If you had just tried two routes, then it's tougher to say what, what route is the most enjoyable and maybe the best fit for you to go for a first right. 513 extent. So I, I'm happy to hear you got on five routes and I guess I'm going to find out here soon what you decided to, to settle on. We'll get the big reveal. But in terms of the building the pyramid, it's good that you sent some 12s. I would have liked to see more. You know, as a coach, I would have liked to see you accumulate maybe 10 
routes in the 12A, B, C range in terms of building that pyramid. And we don't build the pyramid just for the sake of the pyramid and checking off routes. And there's good reason for doing that. It's, it's about building skill. And with each climb, each year we accumulate skill, you know, our movement becomes more efficient. Climbing is so subtle. It seems simple. We're just climbing a ladder, right? Grabbing holds and stepping up and pulling. And But it's really about fine motor control and our playing field is infinite. And to really move smoothly over that infinite playing field is something that requires, I mean, we've all heard of the 10,000 hour rule. Well, in climbing, you can certainly become quite expert in 10,000 hours. But even beyond that, climbers, even myself with who knows how many hours I've climbed in, in all my years, but you can still you know, make subtle improvements and gains technically and of course, mentally. And so the value of building out that pyramid and getting on rock as much as possible is making, they're minuscule on a daily basis, but they accumulate over time. And so the more days climbing on rock, the better. I, I as a coach, always point out climbing is a movement sport, a skill sport first and foremost. So yeah, the strength training we do at home or at the gym, that's part of the program. Uh, dialing in diet and nutrition is part of the program. Making sure you're recovering adequately and doing things to hopefully reduce your injury risk is part of the game. But the most important thing is climbing a lot, as much as you can squeeze into your schedule. And so you said you had to kind of dial it back to once a week. And I get that. Life can get in the way of best intentions. But, you know, as a coach, that's my feedback. I, I would have liked if you were getting those two days a weekend just to be accumulating more experience because, you know, to send your first 513A, you can't hangboard your way to that route. Obviously, it's going to it's gonna take some work on the route, but you're also going to have to elevate your game technically, your movement skill, and just being as efficient as you can. And so once we know what the route is, we can start talking about things to do on that route. And that will open up a new phase of the game for you, because at that point, it won't be so much about building the pyramid for the time being, you know, as we get into that fall phase, that third phase, it's more about getting warmed up and making good, you know, efforts, obviously not trying to red point from the get go, but having a game plan to whittle down that route, almost like a gymnast working on a new gymnastics routine where you break it into chunks and work it in pieces. And, um, and so maybe it's soon time for you to tell me what the route is. <laughs> yeah, good, good, good. Oh, I'm so excited because I do want to start to strategize on this. I'll, I'll, I'll take a, a two minute um, diversion here just to cover what I've done so far in the summer. And that'll bring us current and then we can talk about okay, the route sure. and, and, and what goes from here. So you had suggested that the summer would be uh, a great time for me to focus on my weaknesses and mostly spend time in the gym, understanding that the conditions are very suboptimal right. here in Kentucky. So I have gotten out to the red a few times in those real sweaty days to to do some just fun climbing with friends and move over rock and get the head game going. But I've spent 95% of my time in the gym and my weakness, as we discussed in our first conversation, and as you're aware, is on that top end strength and power. And so for the summer, I spent a ton of time, maybe too much, we'll see, focusing on that. I've, I did one day a week limit problems on the moon board, one day a week limit problems on the boulder sets, and one or two days a week doing some finger training max hangs or anaerobic capacity repeaters, pretty limit finger training work. 
And then I also did one to two days a week of heavy lifting, generalized fitness. So I did bench, deadlift, shoulder press, squat, and weighted pull-ups. So I did that over the last couple of months. I feel very strong. I feel very powerful. I'm sending mood board problems that I, I hadn't been able to do. I haven't done any benchmark testing on my finger strength, so I don't know like kind of empirically what the improvements are there, but I can tell that I'm stronger. Now that came at the expense of keeping up endurance. And you had recommended in our conversation that I only just refreshed myself on, I wish I had done this about a month ago, really? that I keep up at least one day of yeah. that endurance yeah, type yeah. climbing. Yeah, well, because most of the routes, I know you were looking at five or six routes. A lot of them are long, steep routes that are gonna take eight or 10 or 12 minutes or more to climb. And those routes are more aerobic than they are anaerobic. And so that's why, despite wanting to train up your weaknesses in the strength power game, I was adamant and it sounds like the patient here didn't listen to the doctor so well <laughs> about it's just like a, a runner. If they're going to take a few months off, they lose a lot of that aerobic fitness. Mitochondria are very plastic. And if you aren't at least putting in one or two volume sessions a week as a runner or as a climber, you will lose mitochondria mass. And that's something you have to fight back to get. So, I mean, I, we can get to this at the end of the conversation, but you should start like today modifying your program for the fall season to get back that aerobic base. And so uh, I think you did a great job in the strength and power, but I would have been happier if it was two sessions of strength and power per week and one day of volume climbing at the gym with a rope on where you're actually doing 500 to 1,000 feet of climbing on the walls. I think that would have put you in a better place here yeah, well, I'm glad we're having this conversation now. And it also part, part of what really struck me was you just recently came out with a flash edition on your podcast about, hey, six weeks to send season. And to your point, send season in the red. Uh, when I sent Jesus Wept, it was January. That was, of course, a sunny crag. So it depends on where what crag you're at. But I, I've got some time, but it also was a bit of a wake up call. And while I didn't completely cut out sub-maximal climbing and some volume over the summer because I did get to the red a little bit right. and mess around on some easier routes, high 11s and that kind of thing. It was fairly absent and that was very apparent as I went out to hole in the wall at the red about a week and a half ago and got on an 11D and three hung it. And I was like, just, I had no gas. I mean, it was also, yeah. it was very hot, but I could just tell like, I just didn't have that fitness. Now I'll be building that energy system up as we go. So I want to get your thoughts on that. But what we can have the benefit of now, of course, is programming my training to the route. And we've talked about 13A kind of in generalities up to this point. Let's talk about specifics. So the five routes that I project shopped just for context to you and for anybody who climbs at the red were Taste the Rainbow, which is a very long kind of 12B to a 12A to a 12C or something like that. You've, of course, right. been on it. It's, it's the longest of the routes that I got on. And maybe the one that I thought would probably be the easiest for me, easy in quotes, because I don't think easy is, is coming into play here. No, but I, it, it doesn't have any shutdown moves on. Right, exactly. So I got on that. I liked it, but I don't know if I loved it. I got on uh, Skin Boat at the load, which I think I messaged you after I got on, and it was like, I don't think I made it three bolts up. That thing just straight shut me down. And that does have a couple of hard moves, and I think it's high in the grade. That's my opinion. When I did it, I thought it was the harder end of... 13A. 
Yeah. Then I got on Rules of Engagement, which is just around the corner there at Bear's Den. Very long 13A with some very cool movement and uh, like a little... I love that route. Yeah, roof pull and like a little finger jam. And like, I mean, it was really cool. Again, didn't get to the chains on that. In fact, I don't think I've been to the chains on any of the 13s that I got on, but <laughs> I liked it a lot. I think I could get on it again. It's not the one that I went with, but I think I can get on again and, and probably work it because it was very inspiring movement. It just kind of scared me. I think maybe a little more fitness, a little more confidence, and I could give that one a go. Uh, is a very long route as well. Speaking of long routes, 40 ounces of justice I got on. And for those who don't know the route, it's in the Madness Cave. It's as steep a climbing as you can pretty much get at the Red River Gorge, and it just doesn't end. And I would think that would be my style, that kind of overhung type thing. But maybe you could speak to this just for a second. That Madness Cave type of fitness and type of climbing just seems to be a very specific beast. And at least my impression of it as I got on it, and I didn't get very high on it into like kind of the kickback roof section. My impression was that I would have to really like commit my life to that style of climbing for a, quite a while. And I just didn't know if I was prepared to do that. Although I'd like to come back for it because it's an awesome route. It, it's a great route. It's a Red River Gorge classic. One of the old school classics, a Porter Gerard route. And it's broken over the years. There's a lot of glue, I think, I recall in some of the bottom sections. But it's, I still think it's a, an amazing route, despite kind of a chossy start. It's just long, what, 120 feet? And it just yeah. goes on and on. And it can be intimidating but because of that. But, you know, when I did it a number of years ago, I, what I was surprised about is, so many big holds on that route. It's like you're climbing jugs and like any section of it, you'd say, well, this can't be harder than 12A, but it just goes on and on. And, you know, unless you're really aerobically fit uh, and have kind of that Red River style of climbing dialed in, which, you know, you do, you know, you've been climbing at the Red quite a while, but, you know, it's a long, steep route. You're fighting. It's one of those routes you have to be able to climb pumped, a lot of territory pumped. And controlling the pump is one part technique, kind of knowing how to do that, but also it's a lot of aerobic fitness. That's where the mileage training comes in is for those kind of routes. And so, yeah, I think that and Taste the Rainbow would probably be out of everything you've mentioned so far, more tests of pure endurance, less tests on bouldering skill or hard moves, whereas Skin Boat definitely has some hard moves isn't a steep, but it's got smaller holds and harder moves. Right. Yeah. And, and I'm glad that I got on that variety. We had originally talked about trying to sample that variety. Yeah. So I'm glad I did. And, and I think I'd love to do Tuna Town and then move over to 40 ounces one season because I think that they could complement each other well. It's just not, mm -hmm. I'm not quite in that mind space. So where I landed, to not drag this out any further, was on a route that we talked about in the our first conversation, which is the Force at the Dark Side, which yeah. we can dive into. In fact, the That's last time I was on it was with you. We were out there climbing at Dark Side. We both got on the Force and talked through it. So that's probably going to be helpful for this conversation. But I'd love to get your yeah. impressions of that route and also that route as it pertains to to me as a goal for my 13A. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, I think it's a great selection. And the Force is a classic. It's one of my favorite 13As at the Red, for sure. It kind of falls in that spectrum. We talked about Skin Boat being small holds and hard moves. And then the other end of the spectrum, Taste the Rainbow or 40 ounces being more juggy, but steep and just Enduro. And I think the Force falls right in the middle. It's got both, but not to extremes. It's got 
couple of sections with some hard moves, no doubt about it, where you're going to need to be on point and execute quickly and precisely. But then it's got the pump element to it, especially the anchor run. The last 20 feet is only 5'11 climbing, but I've seen so many people, including myself, when a decade ago, when I worked around and did it, I fell on point a couple of times on that closing section, which isn't hard, but it's a test of fitness and just your ability to climb pumped. And so, yeah, so being that it's kind of in the middle of that spectrum, I have no doubt you have the bouldering skills or technical skills to climb those hardest parts very quickly, but to put it all together and to survive the anchor run, the pump of the anchor run, it's, you got some work ahead of you, Ryan. Well, yeah, let's break it down. And again, the last time I was on it was with you and I just worked that lower section. I saw you do what you do well, which was work it and then pretty much cruise it. Uh, so you're familiar with the route, which is very nice. You know the movement of it. And it breaks down, as you said, into some kind of distinct sections. There's this first three bolts, which is very pockety, pretty cruxy, pretty powerful, and then into a rest. Then there's a what I'm calling kind of the boulder problem, which I think a lot of people would see maybe as the hardest kind of single section on the route, which I haven't done. I've tried it a couple times and didn't quite figure out what's going to work best for me. I'm going to need to spend some time on that. Then into some maybe high 11, low 12 climbing to a rest. And then to your point, that kind of enduro run to the change, which you're, you're calling maybe 11 plus, I would maybe call 12 minus, but We'll see. Time will tell on that, but it, it does spit a lot of people off. In fact, people joke, that's the force that you hit, the force of gravity at the top there as you're going for the chains. It, it pulls you to the ground. So it's a great route. And just to speak again, kind of on the, the choice of this route, I don't believe this is going to be the lowest hanging fruit for me. I think Taste the Rainbow specifically, I, I think could go down easier for me. But I wanted to choose a route that I was inspired by. And I also wanted to choose a route that I couldn't implement too much trickery, if you will. Like I didn't want to use a knee pad. I think I could use a knee pad on Spank and maybe make it easier. And everybody has different opinions on this. It's all individual. But for me, I kind of wanted to find a route that I just had to have the fitness and the tactics and the technique to get to the chains on without trying to find too many creative ways of making it easier. And I also wanted it to be a route that whether I sent or not, it would make me a better, more rounded climber. And I felt the force will do that because there are some anti-styles of mine in that route. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. And I guess the force is definitely technically challenging, but certainly physically stressful. And I think it's a route that, unless you're a really strong climber, a solid 513 climber, that type of person could do it quick, maybe on-sided. But for the average person who just infrequently climbs 13A or is looking for their first 13A, it is not low-hanging fruit by any stretch because it's got the boulder problem you mentioned, but that bottom section is prickly and is there's, I, I don't know if we can paint a picture for the listeners, but there's like a, a stripe of pockets that goes across the wall. It might only be, what, six or eight feet high, but it's just mm -hmm. if you painted horizontally a stripe of pockets across the wall. It goes right through the force like it bolt 
three or something like that. Small pockets too, like like finger size, like bullet hole pockets. They're bowling ball pockets, not as yeah. deep as a bowling ball, but it's like those size one and two finger pockets, but a myriad of them. And so the first thing, like it's so complicated, like which ones am I grabbing? And there's chalk on a, a lot of them, dozens of them are chalked. But in reality, once you kind of settle in on a sequence, you'll end up grabbing like six of the pockets out of a hundred. And so, and I remember for me, it was kind of confusing. Maybe it's because I'm old and my short-term memory is fading, but to remember which ones to grab, like you really need to hang there on the rope, feel the pockets, test the body positions, and then settle in on which pockets you're going to use. And then just every time you're through that section, do it the exact same way because it really lends itself to trying something new every time because there's so many pockets to pick from. And you're always thinking to yourself, well, maybe there's an easier pocket or a better way to grab it. And so your first few days on it, that I, I, that would be my mission is like settle in on a sequence through that pocket stripe. And as soon as you settle in on that, I bet you'll be red pointing up to where the boulder problem section starts. And, and so I guess we can go through it chunk by chunk, but you really, I, I think you need to take an approach of breaking the route into three or four or maybe even five chunks. I don't know if you've given any thought to that, like how you would segment the route. I, I mentioned like a gymnast working, a gymnastics routine is a minute or two long if you watch the Olympics, but the gymnast builds the program in parts and we'll go weeks or months and never try to connect the parts, but working on the individual tricks and crux moves, let's say, of that gymnastics routine. And then as they perfect the parts, they start to link them and connect them. And I, I, I don't know exactly where you're at right now in your fitness, but I, I would think it could take as many days as Jesus wept took you. And refresh my memory, Jesus wept, you had what, 10 or 15 days in on that? Yeah, it, it was in that. I don't know. The, the the earliest days, it was September and so hot, and it was just real bolt-to-bolt, just checking some stuff out. So how many actual days did I, and that like RP days, but you know, it, it stretched on into January. So it was probably closer to 15 than 10. And I could see the force absolutely being that. Of course, we know tactically the dark side is going to get colder earlier in the fall yes. than sanctuary. Yeah. So my, my clock is ticking a little bit. Yes. Yeah, that's right. You want to get to work soon because it is a, a crag. It gets sun in the morning until 10 or 1030. And then it's dark. It's the dark side. And so like a 40 or 38 degree December day on Jesus wept could have been perfect for you because it gets that sunshine, right. midday sun. But this being at the force in the afternoon on a 38 degree day, with cloudy skies and maybe a snow flurry floating through, it's going to be brutal. I, I wouldn't be able to climb there with my cold fingers. I don't know right. how you are in the cold, but yeah, you do need to get to work. And I would like to think, well, September, October, November, that's 12 weeks. If you have at least one day a week that you're on it, you could get 12 sessions. If you get a couple two-day weeks uh, in there, you can get 15 or 18 or 20 sessions. So I think it's possible you can could take it down by or before Thanksgiving if you build a game plan to start getting on that. Maybe not today, but maybe beginning around Labor Day weekend. Yeah, well, let's let, let's talk about that. And you can kind of guide where, as the expert coach here, 
where we might want to put our focus on for purposes of this conversation. But we've got the route and the working of the route and the tactics around that. Sections, cruxes, link-ups, beta, these kinds of things. And then we've got the training. So I live in Louisville. It's two hours away. I'm not going to be out there all the time. The training to support the route and how route-specific that training could get with regard to even recreating sections on my spray wall in my basement or on the tread wall at the gym or these kinds of things versus also just understanding the energy systems that I'm going to need to be peaking, let's say, late October for the dark side or early November with an understanding of that route. What, where am I going to need to be physically? So there's the kind of the tactical, how should I break down the force? And then there's the training. And maybe you want to start with training a little bit because it's still August here and I probably won't right. be out on the force for a little bit. But I am familiar with the route, which is nice. I've been on it a couple times. Although I haven't been fully to the chains, I popped probably a bolt below the chain. So I got a, I've got a sense for how the route moves. There's some great videos on YouTube. And then I have friends, yourself and others, who have spent a lot of time on the route. So... I may be able to craft my training around some specificity right now. And in our last conversation, you said, hey, around August or September, we should start to get specific to our route training. So here we are there. Maybe let's talk about that for a few minutes on how you feel the next couple of months of my training could look right. so that I'm primed when I do get out on the route one or two days a week. Right. Right. Well, I think the next, let's say, four weeks, because yeah, admittedly, the weather isn't quite there yet in terms of being optimal we're that we're still who knows it could be six weeks away till we have some cooler really nice weather so I, I would say the next four to six weeks priority number one is rebuilding that aerobic base you need to be training that aerobic energy system there's a, a number of ways to do it i mean the best would be to be at the red uh, one day a week just climbing routes whether it's lapping on 12 a's or whatever. You need to get some time in on a rope at the red. So I'd say one day a week. And then I, I think you need a second day a week that you're also really targeting that aerobic energy system. So if you, uh, if the climbing gym you have access to in Louisville has uh, good routes, overhanging lead routes, I would get there one day a week and do that. If that's not an option, you can get on a spray wall and do like two, two intervals, two minutes on, two minutes off where you're climbing medium to large holds, trying to avoid failure, trying to avoid getting that vicious pump, but you know, getting a moderate pump that you're able to move through, shake out, recover, and using that two on, two off interval protocol is a good way to do it on a spray wall. So for the next four to six weeks, I think absolutely you need two days of, if you were a runner, we would call it long, slow distance running, where you're just going out, you're not racing, you're not sprinting, you're not doing hill work. You're doing long, slow distance is what they call it in running. You're going out for that jog that requires effort and gets you breathing, but it's not uh, excessive. It's not over the top. It doesn't destroy you. I, I think most runners call it zone two running. So you need the climbing right. equivalent of that to go out. So you're not getting on routes that are uh, wrecking you uh, or you're not getting on 12 plus or whatever you're getting on maybe you know 11 b to 12 b and climbing for mileage and maybe you can go take some routes you've not done at the red along the way and that in kind of building that pyramid but really getting your climbing movement dialed in getting that aerobic base back you you need to do more of that and at this point 
I would cease all weightlifting. I would not lift another weight until you uh, do the force. There's no value to deadlifting or bench pressing or doing any of that stuff, like at least a specific workout uh, for weightlifting at this point. As you move into performance season, you're not going to bench press or deadlift your way up your route. Doing that during a training phase or doing a winter block is one thing. The exception would be is if, uh, if you had some type of an injury or muscle imbalance that needed addressed, let's say you had a shoulder issue, we would still continue with some weight exercises to address that issue. But if you're healthy and don't have an imbalance, don't have an injury that we're rehabbing or trying to correct, you can just remove the weightlifting from your program just let it go. Coacher says, let it go for the next two or three months. Let's go get focused on rock climbing, not weightlifting. And that's a big mistake. These, these people that fall in love with weightlifting. I mean, I was one of them years ago and I got enamored. Oh, I want to see how, how strong I can get a deadlifting. Can I do two times my body weight? And, and it ends up taking you off in this tangent that had some value at the start, but then it took you to a place that had no value and maybe was counterproductive if you start bulking up. And so remove the weightlifting from your program. We want two days on a rope or doing aerobic style climbing. And then another two days where you're still gonna do some strength and some power endurance with the goal to be maintaining what you built over the summer. You mm -hmm. mentioned you think you're as strong and powerful now as you've maybe ever been. Great, that's a win. Now let's just try to maintain that. To, to go into your performance season and then have in your mind, oh, I want to take my finger strength to the next level. Forget that. It makes no sense. Pros don't operate that way. You shouldn't. And you're heading into the comp competitive season to maintain what you got. You know, NFL players, they spend the offseason getting stronger, faster, healthier. Then during the season, they lift once a week. It's usually the day after game day. Just that they want to do enough lifting to maintain their posterior chain strength and their power for football, but the focus during football season is football. And so the focus during your climbing performance season is climbing. So two days a week of aerobic style climbing that will get that fitness back that you lost. And then at least one, perhaps two days a week where you can still do some strength and power training to maintain what you built over the summer. And then when you start getting close to being ready to do red points, maybe in October or November, you're getting, let's say you're going to the red twice a week at that point to try to take down the route mm -hmm. because it's getting close. At that point, then you're down to just one strength day or even maybe none, depending how you have to piece together the weekly schedule because you want to arrive when you're ready to project, you want to arrive there 100% fresh. And if you just did a hangboard workout 36 hours earlier, you aren't going to be 100% fresh. But it's way too early to start dialing it back in that way. So this is kind of a transitional period for the next six weeks where you're going to be doing a lot of training and a lot of climbing. And so it's going to take some commitment and you're going to need to try to clear your schedule of other stuff. I mean, I know you're a family man and you got all these jobs and stuff that you're doing and you, know, you got movie premieres to go to. And so... But you need to maybe skip a movie premiere and go to the gym instead and <laughs> some rounds. I would I would much rather be at the gym than at a movie premiere. And <laughs> I'm not at risk of being sucked into too many movie premieres at this point in time in my uh, career here, which is good. So I, and I am very focused on 
on making sure that I have the days available come fall so I can get out there a couple days a week. Now, right now, probably one day a week, like next week, I'm going to get out a day because we're going from 95 to 85. And so I can get out there in the morning and it'll be good to get some submaximal mileage in. I'll start to get out to the dark side, maybe in September and put burns on the project. So let's talk about that next six weeks with regard to specificity. So you're saying two days a week of aerobic, maybe one day is on a rope at the red and one day is going to be in the cave at my gym or on an auto belay. Or if I can, the best I can do is get on my spray wall, then doing these two on two off, or I know you like 30 seconds on 30 seconds off. There's a variety of different ways to slice that up just to make it interesting. At what point in time should I start to look at the route of the force and say, well, I climb 20 hard moves into a jug rest, into a V5, to two bolts of kind of 11 plus to another jug rest. How much do I structure my training? Because I've got access to a tread wall. I've got access to a spray wall where I could set some mimics, if you will, or some kind of replica type things. How important is that? When should I start to do that? Or am I overthinking it? You might be overthinking it a little bit. I mean, certainly if, if a project route has a few moves or a sequence that is really hard, like it stands out from the rest of the route, it's at your limit or beyond your limit. I think that type of situation is where it helps to build uh, a simulator, try to mimic the angle, the size of the holds so that you can get very specific training of those body positions to gain strength. You know, the force, even that boulder problem, I don't think it's more than like V4, realistically. Okay. Um, I mean, it's you're four or five bolts up the route, and so you're not fresh anymore. So V4 can feel pretty hard. And the pocket sequence is more about just settling in on what to grab. I expect you're going to dial that in and be climbing that well quickly in just a few sessions. So I don't think you need a simulator for that. So if you're going to simulate anything, it would be kind of just the nature of the route on the macro scale, like those efforts. And this, you might not have enough data to judge right now, but you know, if we went, if you and I met out there at the force in a few weeks, I would be interested to collect some data, set up my camera on a tripod, or you can do this. And once you start dialing in, or I don't know, just trying to get a sense of like, how long will it take to go from the ground through the pocket sequence to that that first big jug. I would think you get that wired. Uh, there's no really good holds through that sequence that you really want to pause and be shaking out on. You just kind of, you want to get to the point where you're leaving the ground and just gunning through that pocket sequence to that big chalked hold. Because that's like the first rest of the route. I would think that's two minutes of climbing. And maybe if you really got it wired two months from now, after you've got a lot of sessions in on it, maybe you can even fire that in 90 seconds. I think that's kind of how it was for me when I did the forces. I just, you know, got it figured out exactly the pockets so that I could just go up there and execute. So it's two minutes of not super hard, but yet all the moves, there's no easy moves in there. So again, you could kind of, do that on a tread wall where you grab small to medium holds that you paddle on, not trying to be technical or not trying to model the sequence, but just 
getting a feel for that energy system, moving briskly on moderately difficult moves for two minutes to a jog, because that's that kind of first chunk of the route. And then, you know, after that, after that rest, which you'll need to decide how long to stay there. Some people it's 30 seconds. Other people I've seen stay there for three or four minutes, Right. but coming out of that first rest, then it's like another probably 90 seconds of climbing to get through that boulder problem because there's kind of a an intro sequence that isn't hard but it's maybe like 11 plus once you figure out kind of all the nuance of it you might get out of that rest and be able to get to that boulder in about one minute and then you got to do that boulder which is like five moves and so you could leaving that rest be through that boulder in let's say 90 seconds back onto some better holds where you can kind of slow down and catch your breath so that's, and it's going to take you some time to formulate the game plan. But if that first section off the ground is two minutes of sustained effort to a shake that maybe you can stay at for two minutes to then 90 seconds, just punching through that boulder. And then it kind of eases off to maybe like 11 minus for a while. There's a couple of bolts of climbing on pretty good holds. Now there's some extra holds. If you go astray and grab the wrong holds, it can be harder. But if you find just the right sequence, there's a path of least resistance above that boulder where you know, it kind of eases off. It's still steep, but you're on good holds. And so right. once you suss that out and know it, it's almost like you're paddling at on some just moderate climbing. And then you eventually get to another kind of pause, shake out, and then you have that anchor run. And the anchor run itself, again, when you get it dialed in, is probably 90 seconds. So you can probably break up the force. I would think into four chunks. Each is 90 seconds to two minutes each. So now going back to the gym, you could develop a workout that after you're properly warmed up, you're doing four of these 90 second to two minute intervals. And you could just break up those four intervals with standing on the ground to rest rather than simulating the shakeout on the route. Probably your best training for that shakeout on the route is your days on the route because just finding the nuance of how to hold the holds, how to position your hips, how long right. you can shake each hand before you have to alternate to the other. That is so specific to the position on the route that if you're going to be on the force for 15 sessions, you're going to get a lot of practice feeling up those holds. And in terms of the energy system training to prepare for the route, I would just be focusing on doing those four 90 second to two minute sprints where you're performing at a fairly high power level for 90 seconds to two minutes and then resting two minutes and then repeating that. And so there is a way to kind of model the energy systems after the route. Now, I would only do that if you're getting on the route one day a week, then one other day a week, I would be maybe trying to simulate that in the gym. Mm -hmm. um, and that would be very aerobic, even though you're getting pumped and it's, it is, it has a, certainly a very significant lactic element to it. Uh, you're getting pumped and winded. So that's evidence of the anaerobic lactic energy system uh, being a contributor, significant contributor, but anything that is, accumulating minutes and minutes of climbing is more aerobic than it is actually anaerobic and hence the importance of spinning up that energy system and and the one day on the route kind of helps train that energy system but also that day kind of modeling 
let's say two, two interval type exercises is another session that also does that. And then you have your one strength power day that involves maybe some system walling and a, a dabbling in some hangboarding or a little bit of campusing, but not at the volume or to the extent that you were doing when you're training for games, but enough to just maintain your strength and power. It only takes a fraction, maybe one third of what you were doing for gains that you need to do to maintain. Right. Uh, and so to go in and try to keep doing your gains training, the amount of exercises and exactly what you're, you don't wanna replicate that. That's done. You've done your job there. Now it's on to cutting that into like a third and doing enough to maintain as we head into the performance season. Yeah, this is all such great insight and the timing is perfect because I am tucking into now this transition from that strength summer phase into now building endurance, building route specific fitness and also knowledge as I get over to the dark side. We've got about 10 minutes left here. I wanna talk a little bit about what you've learned and, and how you would coach me to look at this season. We had a, a side project that I'm really excited about still, which is to flash a 12A. And as I build fitness, uh, that will become more possible. If I tried to get on a 12A right now, I'd probably two or three hang it. So um, now yeah. is not the time to try to make that attempt, but maybe in October on a day where I'm catching a buddy over at a crag um, to help him on his project and I'm off uh, my project, maybe that would be the time to, to look at something like that. But also thinking about other 13s, if I should, as I'm building fitness, should I get, my friend is gonna be working on Jesus Wept this year, so I'll be over at Sanctuary. I could get on Prometheus. I could get over to on Taste the Rainbow. I could just, being a good belay partner, I will likely not always be at the dark side. So there are opportunities to get on either 12A flash attempts, other 13 potential. And I'm also thinking about the season. So if the dark side's gonna get cold and unclimbable, maybe in mid to late November, I'll still have another month or two of, of the season, if it compares to last season, for example, where I could yeah. get it to sunny crags and be climbing. So should I save the side projects until that time when the dark side becomes inhospitable? And also how should, I know I've thrown a lot at you here, so I'll, I'll let you take it and run with it, but also how should I look at progress on the force and if it just doesn't feel like it's coming together, hopefully that's not the case. Hopefully I'm seeing that good incremental progress from session to session. But if I just like can't pull the boulder problem after X amount of sessions, at what point in time does one try to take their ego out of it and say, well, maybe I'm not ready for this one. Maybe I should shift to yeah. something else. Yeah. Okay. So here's my opinion as your friend and as your coach and as someone who's climbed with you, I'm not just doing internet consults with you. I actually climb with you sometimes. In my opinion, you can do the force. And so you shouldn't, I don't, I'm not a fan that you just kind of entertain the idea that maybe you aren't going to do it this season. I think you got to be fully committed. I think you have to believe that it's not if it's when. And so the side projects, if they're 13 A's, I'm not a fan of that because that kind of just tempts you to, let's say you get four sessions in on the force and you're like, man, this is harder than I thought. Maybe I should start working Prometheus. I don't want you to think that. I want you to think four sessions in on the force. Yeah, this is hard, but it's next level for me. Damn right, it's gonna be hard. I need to get focused and, and make this thing happen. And so I, I don't like the side project thing. I do get and think it's okay to send some easier 12s 
if you want to, if, if you're in a situation playing somebody and there's a 12A there, it's like, shit, I'm going to give this an onsite go. Yeah, sure. Why not? There's no downside to that. You're not going to give up the force to, to do 12As. But to get on a, a 13A or even something like Tuna Town now, I would save that for like, like, let's send the force before Thanksgiving and then you can finish your season doing that type of stuff, starting another project or doing some 12 pluses or whatever. So I, I think, you know, you settle on a route. We've been talking about this now. I'm going to hold you accountable. You need to get to work. You need to believe. I mean, you can't send anything that you don't believe you can send. So the first step in sending a route is believing it's possible. Otherwise, you're just wasting your time. This is definitely the therapy session that I needed right now at this time, <laughs> Coach. I appreciate that. A, I believe I'm going to channel my inner Ted Lasso here. I believe that I can do this route. It's why I chose the route. I, I knew that it was going to be challenged, but that's when flow kicks in is where kind of ability meets uh, uh, difficulty or challenge there. So I do believe I can do it. We've got a couple seconds here just to wrap up and I'm grateful for this coaching session. I'll keep everybody posted on Instagram on how the progress is going on the training as well as the projecting. But speaking of you being out at the red, where are you going to be spending a lot of your time this fall? Are you going to be, do you have a, a project or two in mind? Uh, I have a long-term project that I've had a love-hate affair with, just because it's really hard for me, is Silky Smooth at yeah. Chocolate Factory. So I need to return to that, but I need to be more fit than I am now to do it. So that's not, that's more an October, November thing. Well, you did send uh, your second 13C this past spring. So I know your yeah. fitness isn't too far off. Yeah, small victories for the old for the old coach here. But uh, at the Motherlode, for folks familiar with that, Motherlode Cave has a half a dozen routes that go up through that biggest part of the cave. It's just one of the most amazing features in all of climbing worldwide is that Motherlode Cave. And so I've been chipping away at those. And the next in line for me is madness. So that... It's quite different from Sulky Smooth, though it is the same grade. And so I'm going to spend a little time on that and uh, and maybe do some recon work on a 13D, just which would be next level for me. We'll see. So, yeah, so I, I need to train for six weeks. I came back from my summer vacation a little heavy, which I almost always do when I'm on a long road trip. I want to be doing everything I can to recover as quickly uh, as possible. And so if you're calorie restricting and coming in under your calorie needs, that might be good for your body weight, but it's bad for your recovery. So when I'm in a performance mode on a trip, I'll, I'll err on the side of overeating by maybe two or 300 calories a day. But if you do that for a month and a half, you're gonna put on three to five pounds, which is exactly what I did. And so between now and October 1st, I'm gonna lose that weight and I, and actually, this is a relevant topic just to just mention briefly. I don't know where your body comp is now, but, you know, the Red River Gorge, a route like The Force or a route like Silky Smooth or Madness, they're long, they're steep, and they're on your hands more than they are your feet. It's just a fact of overhanging climbing. There's more weight on your hands than on your feet. And so while it's easy or easier to climb on slabby routes, that are more on your feet than your hands. If you're overweight, you can still perform high on slabby routes, but when it gets steep and long, like the red, five pounds is a massive difference. And so like in my case, carrying those three to five pounds of extra weight, there's no way I'm sending silky smooth. 
it just clipping a five pound weight onto your harness and taking it up a route like that isn't going to happen for me unless you're climbing way below your grade and right. same thing for you on the force. And so I don't want to go down a rabbit hole here, but if your summer strength training was accompanied with eating a few extra donuts than you normally would, maybe that's something that needs to be dialed back a bit. In, in my case, I just have to remove two or 300 calories a day from my diet. I'm in a training mode now. I can be in a bit of a deficit. And as long as I'm getting my 100 grams of protein a day, I'm just fine in terms of recovery and muscle function. And, and you may or may not need to really consider this. I just wanted to throw it out there because the force, three or five pounds could be the difference between sending that route or not. Obviously, dieting to the point that it would be unhealthy and you would lose your strength and your power and become miserable, that's super counterproductive. And I never want to see climbers doing that. That's a trap you don't want to fall into. And I think you're old enough and mature enough and wise enough that that's not even a concern. Yeah, well, I'm certainly not optimized. To your point, yeah. I, think that's a, I think it's a great point to, to make here. And it's something for me to think about over the next couple of months is I'm a dad. I'm a dad that's like... I, I drank some beers this summer. I love my pastries. You know, I love my donuts. You just don't want to have a dad bod. That's the thing. That's right. And I've got a little bit of a dad bod right now. So I think people who are already very optimized in their body composition, maybe there isn't a whole lot of gains or, or opportunity to be gleaned from that. I'm not optimized. I haven't gone like off the rails over the summer, but, you know, summers are for having fun and drinking beers on the boat with the kids and these kinds of things. And so as we get into the fall, I will be focused on trimming back. I had a conversation with Matt Fultz on this last season where, you know, it's not a huge swing, maybe three to five pounds. Like you're just talking about, I'm not talking 15 pounds here. Um, it doesn't take a lot of work for me. Usually I just cut out beer. Yeah. I mean, and just going to the football analogy one last time, but you think of this project route as your Super Bowl. Okay. It's the season is just starting. The goal is to get to the Super Bowl and win. And so with regard to my project, your project, you think of it as the Super Bowl. It's this distant goal that is 16 weeks away or whatever. But you get to the Super Bowl by executing and winning day in and day out, winning those battles week to week. And so that's your goal now going forward is to get with the program we just dis discussed execute week to week. And obviously there'll be some little course corrections that need to be made that we can discuss along the way, but you need to act with the end in mind, that Super Bowl on a daily basis and uh, kind of uh, believe and trust the process as we like to say. And hopefully here we're doing maybe late this year, we're doing a post game wrap up where you're holding the Super Bowl trophy up and going to Disneyland. And, then, <laughs> and for us, it's going to Miguel's and having a, a beer and a pizza. Yeah, okay. But yeah, I will hope to have those high fives with you at MIGS like we did last season after I was able to send my hardest project at that time, which was the 12D. And, and likewise for you, I'm really excited to follow your journey. So let's make sure we do another follow up here and I'll see you out at the red this fall. And coach, as always, I'm really grateful to have your support as a friend, but also to have your mentorship and, and your coaching here as I go for what not too long ago, maybe a year ago, seemed like truly an impossible goal to have yeah. was 13A. You know, when we first started talking, I was a mid-11 climber 
and here I am gunning for 13A. So I'm really, really psyched and I'm grateful that you're helping me along this journey. Yeah. Well, I like working with athletes that show they can follow a program and get things done. And I think the way we first met was three or four years ago, you contacted me about a training program. This is long before the struggle podcast or any of this existed. So yeah, I mean, you have the track record. I mean, that's how you get confidence in sports is by being there and winning some games. And so you have to take that confidence. Okay. I did this last year with Jesus wept. I'm just going to do the same thing, but a grade harder. So it's like, you've been there before. And so let's just do it again. The goal is just a notch higher. And that wraps up an incredibly motivating and helpful session here with Coach Ted Lasso. Sorry, no, Coach Eric Hurst. And while this was just a look here at my personal fall goals, hopefully the concepts that Eric laid out will apply to whatever goals that you're setting for yourself as this season goes and beyond. Now in a second, I'll hit you with my takeaways, but first, just a reminder that this episode was brought to you ad-free as a bonus courtesy of the wonderful patrons and subscribers here at the Struggle Climbing Show. If you aren't yet a patron or subscriber, I totally understand. There's like a million things out there that we're already probably subscribing to, from like streaming networks to food things that we get every month to just the never-ending black hole that becomes Amazon, at least at my house. But if you think that there's value in this podcast, if you're getting entertainment, if you're getting beta, if you're just enjoying the conversations that are happening, if you think it's worth five bucks, please pop over to patreon.com slash the struggle climbing show. Or if you listen on Apple, you can subscribe right there in your podcast player. Just check it out. There's no commitment. You could do it for a month. And if you hate it, then just quit. But hopefully you like it and you stick around. So thank you. I appreciate the consideration there. All right, so my takeaways on this one are pretty much everything because this episode was all about me. But what landed the most, I think, was to believe. Uh, I've been a bit intimidated by this route, the force. But Eric has helped me here in this conversation to remember that I believe I will be able to send it. I will be ready for it. I just need to trust the process and punch the clock. I went a little off the rails this summer on the moon board and some of my other strength training, and it was a really fun struggle for me, to be perfectly honest, so I don't regret it. But now it is time, as Coach said, to get back on track and build that all-important route-specific fitness over the next couple of months. So watch out, Treadwall and Boulder Circuits. I am coming for you. All right, that clips the anchors on this episode. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. I've got a full-time job, a full-time family, and I'm training for the toughest climb that I have ever taken on. And somewhere in there, I'm also hustling to find the time to crank out fresh podcast episodes like this every week. So I really appreciate you tuning in. And I love to hear from you on Instagram. You can hit me up at The Struggle Climbing Show. If you're a patron or subscriber, you can message me through the Patreon app. And another way to support this show and the work that I'm doing that costs exactly zero dollars is to rate and review the show on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen. Good reviews lead to more downloads, which leads to happier sponsors for the shows that I have ads on. And that, of course, is another way to help me keep the lights on over here in the podcast slash utility closet. So if you have a couple of seconds, would you do me a solid real quick? It's probably right there, like on your phone as you're listening right now. And just give me a nice review or um, rate it five stars or whatever you think this podcast is worth to you. I'd appreciate it. It really will help to find the audience and, and keep this show growing. Hey, did you know The Struggle's carbon neutral in partnership with the Honnold Foundation? Now that is a check that I am super happy to write every month. You know, some of the other things are kind of a drag. I got to pay like 
the editing software company and the hosting company and all that. But the Hanel Foundation, I am so happy to pay every month because they are doing amazing work bringing clean energy to communities around the world. Check out all that they're doing at hanelfoundation.org and get involved if you can. And lastly, The Struggle is a proud member of the Plugtone Audio Collective, a diverse group of the best, most impactful podcasts in the outdoor industry. This show is produced and hosted by me, Ryan Devlin. I hope your training and climbing are going great out there. I hope you're finding something to struggle on this fall, because remember, the struggle makes us stronger. See you soon.